Straw Hut Media. Stretch of cord. Well, we are rolling. From Straw Hut Media. <laughs> this is Randy Glanville Unfiltered. Ryan, I'm sorry. I'm late. It happens. I did not read my email right. I had some dental issues and I am so jet lagged from this trip. Listen, I'm just glad that we were able to make it happen. Uh, Greg and I chatted for about 30 minutes. What? Wait, I'm 30 minutes late? (laughs) I'm never late. That's horrible. And I was all, I was upstairs starting to do like contouring makeup and then you call me and I'm like, oh my God. And now we're here and now I'm down here and I'm not ready and we have to talk to this hot actor. I mean, I'm ready as far as like I read everything about him, but I did that yesterday. So I'm like brain, my brain is ready, but I don't feel like I'm going to meet you. I know. Well, I remember when, when we, when we booked him, you were like, oh, I can't wait. He's hot. I'm going to get hot for him. (laughs) And then it just, it all. Well, anyway, it's Greg Ellis. He's an amazing actor. He's very well known. He's Emmy nominated. Um, he's worked in every big movie. He's got this new book about uh, divorce on like the male perspective and family court. And it's so interesting to me because I've been through one and I have so many questions for him. And the forward to his book was written by Johnny Depp and Alec Baldwin. So I have a lot to talk to him about. We're going to unpack this. And I'm very ugly today, but you know what? Maybe I'm just, maybe that was meant to, maybe he'll think I'm smart because of my glasses. All right. I can't wait. I can't wait because it's two different opinions. I don't know. That, and they both, both, both you and well, him have been through this. Perspective. I don't think opinion. Perspectives. I mean, perspectives because on the divorce perspectives. situation. And I feel like I only read about women's perspectives because I have not, yeah. I've not seen a book from a man's perspective, but I'm very interested in it. I feel like most of the public only hears that side, the woman's side. I well, think, it's right? not our fault. It's dude's fault. They need nope. to write more books. Yeah. yeah. So now yeah, we get- got a dude that's doing it. <laughs> Let's get that right. dude on here. Okay. All right. Okay. I wish I was hotter. You know, you wrote a book. I mean, everyone knows who you are, but a lot of the divorce books, because I wrote one as well, are from a female perspective. And I don't know that there's many divorce books um, from a male perspective. So I'm really excited to talk to you about this and to read it, honestly. So tell me what made you decide to do it. I think I know, but tell us all. Well, you've probably been through the ringer yourself in divorce court and family law. So you have a a good idea of what's happened. Uh, But um, yeah, I mean, for me, why did I write it? Well, when the, when the cartel of family law showed up on my doorstep in 2015 on March 5th and removed me from my, entered my home illegally, put me in handcuffs, removed me, incarcerated for the first of five incarcerations. I became homeless and almost destitute overnight. I went on a kind of odyssey and I thought I was going crazy. I was like living on the edge of existential terror. And then I entered divorce court thinking, oh, I'll get some justice here. There's going to be justice. The legal system is America. And I left America and entered the, the star chamber, which it is. Um, so I, I sought help. I'm like, where do I, where do I get help and information on this? And online, everything I found was either law firms and attorneys, um, and books written by women for women 
many of them about right. how to yeah. ruin the husband and get the house and all the rest of it. So there was nothing out there. So once I survived, uh, literal, uh, not just figurative uh, survival, um, you have your little doggy. I've got my bigger doggy here, so he might bark. Yeah, uh, I, I wanted to give back. I wanted to be of service. I wanted to write something not, not angry yeah. and not bitter because I love women. Uh, you know, I was married for 20 years, happily right. with two kids. Um, and just thought I'll, I'll put something out there that actually offers some, you know, through the lens of my story as a vessel, um, that offers some solutions and tips and strategies and how we can reform and improve this system where, you know, it's a $60 billion a year, uh, divorce, uh, system um and four thousand children lose a parent every day that the family law courts are open and i was like why is america the world leader in children growing up in single parent families so i really went into the research spoke to the experts kind of pivoted away from my entertainment career and have focused everything on this and started a charity and so that's kind of become my cause my mission if you will I think it's really amazing, honestly, because like you said, every book about divorce is from a female perspective. And every lawyer that I saw during my divorce was like, we're going to ruin him. And the courts always side with the mother. And they're telling you this beforehand. And I'm like, I don't want to ruin him. I just want my children with me. Um, and I think that ultimately what it comes down to is, is the almighty dollar. They want the fight to continue between the parents because they will continue to get paid if the fight continues. And they see you as a successful, successful actor and they see dollar signs. And so I think it's, it's unfortunate. I always say there's no police. There's nobody polices divorce settlements. There's like, you can, we can, this is your settlement. Here's what you get. Nobody comes by and says, are you getting that? Is this happening? Or is he on time with the kids? Like, it's just a, here you go. I did my job for all of the money in the world. And I feel like it's a very corrupt system. And I'm so glad, I'm so excited to read this book because I haven't seen it from the male's perspective. Yes, I have an ex-husband and we were fighting and divorce can be ugly. But the, the length that the lawyers were willing to go, I was like, I'm not, I don't want to fight and ruin lives. Like it's, it's, it really is corrupt. And, and obviously you had some, I, I can't, put, tell me about the handcuff thing. How did that happen? You were taken to jail? Well, I was, gosh, you have to read the book really to get ah, the full picture. I will. But, uh, so, I will. So what, it, what it is, I mean, there's much to discuss and unpack, but, but really, look, we have a, we have a family law is the only branch of our legal system that doesn't provide the presumption of innocence. So that means that criminals, uh, rapists, terrorists, murderers, pedophiles get more rights than parents and partners and children in family law. And that's staggering that there's no presumption of innocence. It's a presumption of guilt or proven innocent or some oftentimes more guilty. The stats show that it is biased against men uh, and fathers in particular. Um, and false allegations, and there are many of them, of domestic violence are used as a kind of silver bullet strategy, go-to strategy, because they're easy to get. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an affront to the real victims of domestic violence, the women who are in, um, are in, in abusive relationships. Uh, so um, 
you know, our system is set up that we have two attorneys or two law firms representing each side. And to your point, they look at the estate, they see how much money there's there, and they can churn uh, the, the, the billable hours nonstop. And who writes the rule book of, the, of family law? Well, the state bar associations. Who runs the state bar associations? The attorneys with no oversight. It's not even answerable to the Supreme <laughs> Court. So we've got a system run amok. And we're, we shouldn't be sacrificing uh, ch- our children at the the ultra attorney's billable hours, which is what happens. No, and you know, and to that end, you know, people always say, "Oh, attorneys are corrupt." I will tell you, my attorneys, and I, whatever, I don't want to get into it too much, but they were best friends with Eddie's, my ex's attorneys. They were having lunches and dinners, and I'm thinking, okay, so they're just trying to figure out a way to keep this going, so that you know, my life is ruined, the kids' lives are ruined, Eddie's life is ruined, and they get all of the money, which you know, actually, they did get most of it because we spent years fighting. And at the end of the day, there wasn't anything to fight over anymore. And, you know, luckily for for my case, I wasn't going to go as far. I wouldn't say that my ex-husband was doing something he wasn't doing. I mean, California is a a no-fault state. And, I mean, he would never hurt, you know, my children or myself. I would never. I just, I personally would never do that. But the fact that people, the lawyers have it as an option and, you know, you have this, um, lawyer confidentiality, you know, you can't say anything about it. It's just such, it is, it's a, it's a mafia of people that are policing themselves. I mean, this is something we, that is so important right now. And I know that the foreword of your book was written by Alec Baldwin and, and Johnny Depp. And I, you know, obviously they have contentious relationships and divorces and, and we only heard them being villainized. Um, we never heard anything nice, you know. And so this is, I think that this is going to open a huge door for all of us, really, like to have a different look. I mean, yeah, I'm a scorned ass wife. Don't get me wrong. Like he cheated. Like I feel like he should give me all his money. Like I was a perfect wife. But that said, that's not, that's just not the case. It should, it really needs to be policed and to be fair. And to hear the second you walk into any lawyer that the courts always side with the mother generally side with the mother. It's like, wow, that's really fucked up. I mean, I'm happy for myself, but that is fucked. Yeah. It's it, well, you've hit so many uh, salient points there. I mean, look, the system is biased towards the mother, but it also, the system is totally biased against parents and families. The yeah. moment that someone signs that retainer to enter uh, disillusionment proceedings, all bets are off. The only winners are the system. That's it. The only winners. So like you mentioned yeah. Johnny Depp in 2016, he was hit with the, the silver bullet of uh, high conflict divorce. And uh, what I believe is a false allegation of domestic violence. Um, we've seen the evidence that's come out since. And, um, you know, we don't often talk about uh, the fact that women can be a violent as well as men. And it's a fact. Abuse has no gender. Um, you know, you look at the stats, it's, it's, you know, they speak for themselves, but, uh, people don't often want to speak about the real stats and the research, um, because man, what all men bad smash the patriarchy, toxic masculinity, um, you know, in this me too, well, especially um, in, the, in this moment with the, yeah, exactly. In this moment, it's like, even an allegation you're canceled, whether it's true yeah. or not. You know. Well, it's yeah, it's guilty till proven more guilty oftentimes in the court of public opinion. Yeah. Look, it's like, you know, with Johnny Depp, what happened to him? Uh, he's not been tried of any criminal offense. 
I mean, one of the things that I'm, I'm pushing for uh, with social policy change is domestic violence being tried in criminal court. Violence is a criminal offense, and it should be tried in criminal court. And the irony is that many, many men sure. and fathers actually want that to be the case. I wish it had been the case because you get rights. You get the right to speak to an attorney. You get your right. rights read to you. Um, you know, you get your day in a court of law with discovery and due process and all of the rights afforded to a criminal. And this isn't afforded to, uh, to, to parents and partners in family law, which I think is a travesty. And, um, you know, the, the irony is that we have many, we have many um, domestic abuse shelters. Like, for example, Erin Pizzi, someone I spoke to, she's 84 years old. She started the world's first domestic violence shelter 51 years ago. It's called Refuge. And what she found is that many of the women who were coming into her shelter, not most and not all, but many of them uh, were physically violent. And she, t- she spoke about it, not to demean women, all women. Uh, you know, she's one of the original feminists, but just to say, look, this is what I'm seeing. She had a cat poisoned and killed. The bomb squad was sent to her home. She got hounded out of England just for speaking the truth of what she experienced. She can't even enter her own shelter now. This is a woman who's, who's campaigned and volunteered her entire life, 80, 84 years old. So there is this radical, what I looked at, like to talk about with a smile on my face, a radical brand of like fourth wave feminism that is so toxic and so anti-male and family um, that wants to do away with the family, wants to do away with men, doesn't think that women should be giving birth and staying at home, which is a woman's right if she wants to. And it's up to a couple if, you know, they decide my ex-wife, she, I wanted to stay home but she wanted to work. And I was, I was like, absolutely, babe, go ahead, work. you like, you know, have agency, have at it. Yeah. Um, but so we have these, these groups now and organizations, the two main organizations that are actually lobbying against changes and reform in family that will help families and parents are paradoxically the ones understandable, the $60 billion a year divorce industry and lobbying groups who spend a lot of money in this area. And then the other one is the domestic violence abuse organizations, not all of them, but many of them. Uh, and they get money, they get grants, they get millions of dollars. Then you have the state and the federal system. So the state uh, gets 60% of their child support money that they receive reimbursed by f- the federal government. So they're pushing this too. So, you know, we don't necessarily have, I, we had a lot of talk of dead beat dads. We have a lot of dead broke dads. We, are, we have a lot of dads who were present, loving, caring, um, engaged parents who loved their children and spent time with them. And because two adults behave badly or one behaved badly and the other, they just couldn't get along, right. put into this broken system. And it's a broken system um, that just pits them against each other and prolongs the acrimony for money. So what do, what do you do? There is, there is hundreds of thousands, Brandy, hundreds of thousands of parents uh, across America stuck in this system that can't get out. It's a, tra- it's a tragedy. I mean, you and I have a little privilege, right? Absolutely. And ultimately, the people that are the most hurt are the children. I mean, they're triangulated in this nonsense. And then you're an unhappy parent and you're going through this. You're not going to be your best self as a parent. And then these kids are caught in the middle. And I know so many fucked up kids that come from divorce just simply because they were triangulated and the lawyers, honestly, the lawyers 
pit these people against each other in a way that is just inhumane. And luckily for me, I we we ended with med- mediation, meditation too. But we didn't end up <laughs> a little in- meditation and then some mediation. Yeah. <laughs> right, a little bit of both. Um, but we ended up, you know, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to fight. Anyway, I really, it was, it was killing me to fight. And I wasn't a good mom because I was so busy hating and fighting. I couldn't focus on being kind and loving. And he was in the same boat. So our kids are floating around watching us just scream and yell. And, and I don't think that that has been recognized by too many people. It's like, I'm going to hurt you by keeping the kid away from me, which is ultimately hurting the kid. And I will say like through the divorce, my ex-husband became such a great father. I will say before mm. the divorce, he wasn't around because he was working and I don't think he changed a diaper, but because of divorce, he was forced to be with my children, you know, and I think he's a great father. And I think if we all could just put our fucking bullshit aside and look at our children and put them first, we would be in such a different situation. And these lawyers should actually like they should get in trouble there we need some somebody to police these fucking people well there is no oversight i mean literally yeah. it's it's the authoritarian state that just keeps planting money trees for itself these state bar associations write these playbooks and they use these strategies and the go-to strategy has become with these law firms uh to to the false allegation of domestic violence because it's proven it's literally the burden of proof without jurisprudence, without the presumption of innocence. The burden of proof is on the accused. So that's like the Salem witch trials and the Spanish Inquisition where, you know, you'd, you'd be walking around and you just say to, there was a woman, you go, she's a witch, burn her. And she said, I'm not a witch. You go, okay, well, we'll dunk you in the water. If you don't come up, you weren't a witch. If you come up, you are a witch, so we'll burn you. There's nothing you can, how can you prove what's disprovable? Because it's not true. So th- this is where we're at. And the shared parenting. Well, yeah, the, the parent- accusation itself is. Damning in today's, in today's cultural conversation. Yeah, and with, with the, you know, this era yeah, of cancer. I mean, not dead, but like with Johnny Depp and with you, like if you guys are high profile, like people are going to talk about it and regardless of innocence or it doesn't matter, that will always be out there as a, a topic of conversation and you can't escape it. And it's it's just so wrong. Yeah, and you, yeah, it is. And you have so many, I think it's the powerlessness I think that parents and partners feel in family law in court when you have the legal system and attorneys writing up, drafting up declarations, papers, hearings, the FL 362, the FL this, it's all just, it's a, it's a baffling language. And the family law code book used to be a quarter of an inch thick and it's seven or eight inches thick now. They've written their own confusing playbook and they're just all laughing going, yeah, more money for us. And ultimately it's mm-hmm. the parents, every parent that goes through this, I think has, has PTSD. Because it's hard enough, right? Yeah. I mean, if you lose someone that you love and you have a breakup <sighs> or the relationship breaks down, it's so painful for both mom and dad and woman and man. Um, right. And, and it's hard enough to deal with it anyway. So, you know, when you have kids involved, I think, you know, I talk in the book about parental alienation and how, you know, we, we should really be mindful not to disparage the other parent in front of our children, which is very difficult to right, do. Right, I agree with you. But, but you know, there's I, so I, many I, people I agree who with can't. You 100%. And the challenge with that, Brandy, is of course, if one parent manages to not do that, but that happens to be the man, the father, the respondent, and he's already got wearing the black hat, he's already seen as the bad guy, he can hear the most 
horrific things that are going on. Like in my case, you know, you, you'll read in the book, I share a bit of my story. You know, my sons were, were uh, they came to see me and my youngest, who was eight years old, told me that their uncle on, on their mother's side was sleeping in his bed and threatened to punch him in the face. And this was with a court-appointed uh, monitor there writing it down. And then when his old, older brother, my eldest boy, uh, chimed in and said, you can't do that, Uncle Drez. He was like, I'll stretch my fist in your face if you don't shut up. And, and as a dad, I'm there hearing them talking about it. there's nothing I can do. And every fiber of my being wanted to just take my boys and take them away and make them safe. Right. And it was in the place, the very place in the home that should be the sanctuary for our children in their bedroom. Safe. That's the safe yeah. place. Yeah. <sighs> well, but I mean, I think that this is so important that we don't hear from men because men just take it on their shoulders. And like you said, all of the books out there are from a perspective of a woman. And I, I'm so interested because I do know some men, some of my male friends that got so screwed in their divorces and they had like these, their ex-wives, right? Having their friends, like write declarations that were completely untrue. And then he's asking me to write a declaration. I'm like, for what? I mean, I, I just, I, it's so like soul, like wrench. It's just the worst possible situation to be in as a human. And then to add the fact that there are no rules and the kids are there. It's just, and you, you can't pick up your kids and run away because then you're a kidnapper. That's right. <laughs> if I wanted to, I wouldn't like, well, you're not getting my kids, you know, and there's that whole, you just want a mama bear or papa bear and be like their savior. And you're, you're being made to be the bad guy or, you know, I was called the, every name in the book. Um, but I think that this is so important because again, we don't hear from dads because dads we're, are villainized across. I'm not saying that there aren't bad dads because there are, um, but yeah, we don't, we don't get to hear the story, you know? So this is exciting. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, it's hard for dads and, you know, you look at the suicide statistics, 10 divorced men take their lives in America every day and two divorced women take their own lives in America every day. And, you know, one of the reasons why I did the book was if I can, we can get that number down to, from 10 to nine and two to one is like on any given day, then we're saving an individual's life. And that person yeah. was a child and is an adult and, uh, and, all of their family members, you know, when you alienate one side of a family, one partner, you're alienating their entire family. And all of the families yes. have a really, I mean, I've spoken recently with grandparents who through no fault of their own, through their, their child, their son or daughter being married, and then it going, you know, uh, not working out, they lose all contact with their grandchildren. And this is at the end of their the lives. And it's so sad. It's really sad. I and know. I, I, you know, this is it is. And I, I want to talk about. Sorry, I want to talk about the charity that you started too. But just really quick. Sorry to interrupt, but I get ideas and I have to say them before they no, go out of my brain. Um, no, just what you said. Like my brother actually is in the middle of a door, so this is hitting very much home. And then his ex-wife. I, I there's three daughters. My whole family was like, and I'm the only divorced per person in my family. Like, they're my everyone's all together and married and lovely. And you're but the middle my whole child, right? Ready. What's that? You're the middle child, right? I am. Yeah. And my yeah. brother is the youngest. And so they were all ready to villainize Audra and, and my sister in law and to like never talk to her again. I go, 
do you realize that she's still family because of the three daughters? So I'm the only one that actually reached out. And I had to sit with my family and tell them, I said, do you know how hard it is to lose the love of your life? And I'm not saying who was wrong in the situation, but it would have been my brother. Um, so I said it. Um, but to lose that whole entire part of your family. So I, my family is just so like, well, Michael's our son. And I'm like, well, Audra gave birth to three of your grandkids. So we, this is, she is family for the rest of our lives, period. And I'm the only one that kind of gets it. I'm the only one that speaks to her. And it breaks my fucking heart mm. that people that don't know divorce and haven't experienced it just are ready to quit the other side. Because I still, my in-laws, they quit me for like a year and it broke my heart. And now we're mm. back and we're great. And they're my family forever. I have children. I gave birth to their grandchildren. And it's really hard. I feel like a lot of people are like, okay, nope, it's over. So we, we're not family anymore. But when there are kids involved, we're family forever. And it, and I hope that that you cover that in your book because that just, it just kills me that, that, you know, you aren't just breaking up one household. You're breaking up like this giant, like amazing modern family. And it just, it's so sad. Yeah. It makes me think, you know, of the kids, I'm a focus always goes to the kids. Like my, um, my two boys will never know, uh, or haven't known for most of their childhood, even though they, 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 they did know my entire family in England, their, their cousins, um, you know, my sister's, uh, twin kids and my, my brother's, uh, daughter, they got on great and knew each other for the first eight, 10 years of their life. And then suddenly obliterated, like no contact, nothing. And that's really sad. Like really sad that kids should, you know, um, but I mean, I, I admire the fact that you, you, you know, sometimes we have to take the high road and taking the high road is high is hard when people have made mistakes, you know, when men make mistakes and they cheat and then it's like to get over betrayal and that level of betrayal when there's marriage and you made a vow, it's very difficult. Yeah. It takes a lot of work and atonement on behalf of, of the man. If it is the man that's, that's done the cheating. Right. But it's whether you want to work at it, whether you want to put the, you know, the recovery work in to, to atone for the mistakes and be, you know, vulnerable enough, I think, to, um, to own up to it and say, look, you know what, I'm going to recommit to this, um, you know, mon monogamy, like one Even part. Even separately, like, you know, right. Or, or we, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, for the situation that I think they're in, but they're going to be divorced, but just recommit to our children together as a unit that's it. and co-parenting. Yeah, and like, that is because we're not going to, because if we fall apart, guess who falls apart with us, our kids. So well, we're splitting the, we we're splitting their psyche already when they're adolescent and growing up because right. any kid, when, when mom and dad are in the home and then suddenly one isn't, and it's usually dad who's not in the home, um, then right. seeing dad is going to feel like we're betraying mom. And so all of those issues from childhood in the site, it's the cycle, right? So we want to break that cycle. We don't yeah. want to, we don't want to raise kids that will have a higher propensity to get married and be divorced themselves, but with the system. And that's why I keep going back to the system, regardless of even how yeah, well people are trying to, I have a friend who's an actress. Uh, well-known actress married to a well-known actor. And they, you know, decided out of the blue, he decided they wanted to divorce recently, a collaborative divorce. And 
they had no idea that once they entered this system, it was done because they got separated by communication by the two attorneys on either side who were racking up their one six fifty an hour and one's, you know, nine hundred an hour. Right. They send an email, an email comes back, twelve emails yeah. in a day. They've each spent four thousand dollars without even knowing it. <laughs> My ex wife yeah. spent one point so eight million dollars. Oh, the charity, yeah. Uh, so the charity is called on CPU. Huh? Oh, she spent she spent one point eight. She spent one point eight million dollars. She won one nearly $1.8 million dollars on her attorney, this woman called Judy Bogan, who represented uh, Kim Basinger against Alec, and she's unethical. Uh, she lies in court. Um, she made it. She want. Is it, I, th- there's so many stories, Brandy. I remember sitting in court one time. I went to court over, over 82 times. I'd never been to court before, and I'd been in trouble. No history, nothing. I didn't know about the law. Um, and I sat there listening to this woman go, uh, my house was burglarized in Beverly Hills last night. It was this man, the respondent, sitting here. I had to file a police report. I've had to get extra security. Well, absolute nonsense. Like, absolute nonsense. But no, no. <laughs> No, I mean, but there's no disbarring, you know, there's no sanctions against her. There's right. no, contempt. it's, 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 it's one rule for them and another for, for others. But you know, she represented my ex-wife for four years, $1.8 million, I think she was paid and then wow. proceeded to leave the case and is now suing my ex-wife for, I think, $450,000. All our, our son's inheritance, our family estate, everything we've worked for our entire life. Right, Exactly. It just siphoned, you know, siphoned off. And all she's, all she's succeeded in doing, this woman, is breaking up the family. Right. How to have that on your it's, head, I mean, it's, it's shocking. And no, I feel you. I feel like I have such empathy for the situation that you're in. It's just, I always said this. I'm like, who polices these motherfuckers? Who's policing these lawyers? Like, I would get so no angry, one. and I mean that doesn't help <laughs> the situation. No one's I was angry at, at them as well, you know, because divorce are pissed, you, and you, you can't help but get angry. This, Why wouldn't you get angry? They're stealing from you. No, I'm like, it's the cartel, exactly. And you literally that wondering, to fight for. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, no, it's true. It's, yeah, it's we could go round and round, but yeah, it's it's a uh, the system needs reform because even even if one person wants to end it, if the other doesn't, or if the other does, if one of the attorneys wants to keep it going, they will keep it going, and it is <laughs> absolute utter misery. Yeah, for years. I know people mm-hmm. that are like getting blackmailed into signing the divorce papers, like for like it's just so ugly. Like, okay, I'll do this. If you finally find like sign the divorce papers, I'm like, this is just criminal. Like, this is so insane. Like, it will you, be criminal. Does not want to be married and cannot get unmarried. It's just nuts. But tell me about your. I really want to know about the charity because I feel oh. like you and I could talk all day about divorce. We certainly could. Um, and we could talk about reality TV, which was talking about just before we came on air about how reality TV is so far removed from actual reality, but that's a whole other subject. The charity <laughs> CPU yeah. is Children and Parents United. And our mission at uh, CPU is the charitable extension of the respondent. My book, um, is to promote and improve child wellbeing by providing information and resources to policymakers, legislatures, resulting in enhanced, and the public um, and practitioners 
resulting in enhanced uh, relationships and reduced conflict for those children and parents navigating our current broken family law system. And we're building out three programs, um, developing three programs through the charity, three cost-effective, practical, solution-based programs, CPU communication, CPU mediation, and CPU law. So CPU communication is, is really just workshops and programs that promote improved interpersonal relating, how we communicate um, without trust That's breaking smart. down. Yeah. Yeah, um, CPU medi uh, mediation is solutions-oriented uh, mediation processes and uh, oversees the legal uh, um, to help res resolve conflict disputes. And then CPU law, we're, we're putting together a, a law firm outside of family law um, that will operate uh, as the kind of the the, the last safe harbor place before entering court, which is, which is to provide legal advice, um, support the mediation process and oversee legal procedures um, so that right. people can be empowered to, to actually draft up their own and come up with their own divorce agreements outside of family law, outside of the courtrooms. Um, also training judges and legal practitioners as well, um, because many of them are in this broken system, don't know how broken the system is and how broken they are uh, and how ill-equipped and inexperienced they are to actually know what goes on outside the courtroom to keep with a primary focus on keeping people out of court. And that's really what's going to solve uh, people's stress and anxiety until we can reform and improve this, this broken system of family law and get some of the $60 billion back into the pockets of families, particularly those who need it. Well, that's, I mean, like I, for so long, um, whenever anyone would ask me like, what, any advice for getting a divorce? Like what? And I was like, Oh, this lawyer, this lawyer. And now I'm like, try to go and mediate, like mediate is like, if I, I wouldn't have fought for the two years had I known what I know now, you know, hindsight is obviously 2020, but we spent all our money fighting and, and nothing came of it. And nothing. when we finally sat down, it was pretty simple. We just both wanted to be with the kids, have a fair amount of child support and just move the fuck on. So my, like everyone out there, if you can do it, don't just get a mediator. Don't, don't feed into this really corrupt system, right? Keep out of court. Don't sign a retainer agreement. I would say as well, be really careful who you sign with in terms of mediation. One of the things that I say to people is to keep out of court, but try as best as you can to keep out of mediation because many of these mediators okay. are connected with the law firms and the judges and the child psychologists and the guardian ad litems. And they are all churning. I spent two days in mediation. It was $31,000. This and then I found out afterwards this guy was so inept and he's he's so wrapped up in the legal system of family law because he's been an attorney and you know it's easy money that we you, we get right. the dregs of the legal system in family law. So yeah, I, I I do agree with you. I just think people should be really careful who they choose as a mediator. Um, but the number one rule: keep out of court because you are just going to give your money away right. and you it's like you're paying for suffering. Right. Yeah. You know, it is, it's such a, and it's so fucking hard on your mental health. You're already going through it enough. You're like, then you have your mental health is all fucked up. And then obviously there's finances and all of that goes into, it's a pretty miserable time. I mean, it's not yeah. a fun thing. So no. just, just figure well, it out. People. The mind but, um, so when can we get your book? And oh, when can you get the I'm book? Sorry, the book came out this week. The book came out on the 29th of June. Um, the respondent, here it is right here. 
exposing the cartel of family law. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, it's available right now at uh, everywhere books are sold. Uh, and uh, therespondent.com is the place to go for information about the book, uh, my series on this. Um, there's a, a free, I've written as well, a compendium free downloadable ebook for those struggling to cope with the family law system. And that's got tips and strategies and advice to help people um, in the Im- in immediate interventions into well-being. People who are in court right. right now or about to go to court to just kind of really um, afford some relief, you know, the somatic just remedies them, philosophically. Yeah, yeah the meat, yeah. like. Yeah. Well, I applaud you. I think this is great. I think this is a long time coming and um, I'm, I'm going to check it all out. And I think everyone else should as well. And I hope that things are getting easier for you and good luck with your acting career, which is already amazing. And get that money back. We're going to get our kids money back. Well, I hope so. I mean, you know, it, it's, and thank you. It's been a delight. It's been a delight. It wasn't what I expected. I don't know what I expected, but uh, really delightful conversation <laughs> and lovely meeting you. And, uh, well, I don't watch all those reality shows, so you know, I, I don't do it. Why would you? <laughs> yeah, there's no just point. Because it's they're just, not reality. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just a paycheck. I have to take care of two boys. I actually, we're going to the DMV. My son's taking his driver's test for like the third time because we keep failing. Um, but yeah, no. So it's just a check. Oh. You know, you gotta do. I wish I was an actress, but. I guess I can just be an asshole after a couple glasses of wine and it's the same thing. Well, same thing. But I get paid for it. So I, I just can't act. So this is what I do. But I know many so people can be an asshole after two glasses of wine as well. And they don't get paid well, for it. I'll try four. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to look into your book and I'm so excited to talk to you. It was really lovely. And I think you're doing a great service to everyone. Thank you, everyone. Brandy. You're very kind. Thank you. All right. Bye, very much. sit and talk to him all day was he as hot as you thought he was gonna be yeah and also i found him to be really intelligent and just really inf- informational is that the right word informative oh yeah okay yeah, i just yeah. got stupid it- <laughs> i don't know what happened it just happened <laughs> no it was because we don't hear from the the perspective of a male and they are often villainized and you know, we we always think, oh, the guys cheat. They should pay. Like there, there is another side to this. And family court, like he is right. They are criminals. I will tell you. Oh, gosh, I hope I never have to go through that. I know my parents had a hard time. It was, and they still don't talk to each other. And it affected you. I mean, you're so fucked up. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I feel like it affected my sister more. She was a teenager. I was out of the. I was out of the house. Well, you're. You still talk about it. You like it does affect you still. So don't don't say it doesn't. I yeah, mean, on our that's personal. true. That's true. I still feel like I have a rocky relationship with my mom. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because kids the kids are the future. <laughs> they really are, you know. So I feel like, yeah, no, I thought he was hot. I thought he was informative, and this is not the way I wanted to look for this interview, Ryan. I want I was like getting ready to put on makeup, and I I just finished it finished like a. I just did not read my email right, but I just finished a prednisone pack for my root canal issues. So my face is like a pumpkin. And it I doesn't just, look like a pumpkin. Oh my God. It's so swollen. And I have one on either side, which is so fun. Does it hurt? Yeah. 
It, it that sounds painful. It's sore. I wouldn't, it's not like throbbing in the first couple of days it was throbbing. I, I ate my temporary crown in Florida on accident. So <laughs> they said, don't chew. But like, if all you're doing is eating, you forget not to chew on that side. And then. Does it taste good? No, it was crunchy though. <laughs> Very crunchy. I bet. <laughs> um, and then the root was exposed. So I had to go to the dentist. It's just, oh, I'm Did really... you go to the dentist there? No, I, I came home. I went straight to the dentist yesterday, yesterday before, I don't know, when I got home. It was, it was a lot of eating. It was a lot of eating trip. I mean, what else are you going to do, really, well, you know? yeah. I mean, well, I mean, there are things that he just, Mark was not feeling great. So it was just, a, I mean, you know, when you don't feel good, we laid. We did a lot of laying. Yeah, you, we, I think you we hunkered had, down. We did, we had big plans and I think we were both really excited for it. And then, like, I'm on the steroid, so I'm super aggro. Like it's like five, you take one day and then four and then three and then two and then one, like the prednisone packs for ear and oh. inflammation in your brain. <laughs> so Ooh. I was like, whoo, that is a bitchy girl. And then he was being a bitchy girl. We are two bitchy <laughs> girls. Thelma and Louise on the rocks. He was being bitchy back? Oh, it was, we were bitchy to each other. Oh. We were, it was, I told you, the golden girls, not the good years. But, but, <laughs> but. At the end of the day, we had like we did have you know it was great to see Mark and just chill and and figure some stuff out for our project and you know snap at each other a lot. Yeah, did you get any good content? I know you were going to record some things. We did. I I believe get some. Um, I will share with you. Uh, like I okay. said, it's just I think it was a it was a, not the proper week for the two of us. But yeah, the love is there. And it never goes Good. away. And listen, Good. I can't imagine to know what it feels like to not feel good. You know, like half of your insides are removed and you get so excited to have this stuff coming up. And then your body says, no, you can't do it. Like I, I, I'm sympathized with it, but I would no way know how to, how he feels or how she feels. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, it'd be so hard for me to relate as well. That's so, uh, yeah, that's so. crazy. Well, when, on one note though, like, um, I just want to say about the Johnny, uh, Depp Amber thing that, uh, Greg was talking about. I like, listen, I don't have an opinion because all I know is what I see on E! News and TMZ. And the <laughs> fact that his, he has an opinion, but he's also friends with Johnny. Johnny wrote the foreword to his book and so did Alec. And Alec. Yeah. And in in the headlines, those are two guys that are questionable, but that's because they've been villainized and we've, you know, whatever. So, I mean, I feel like it's his right to defend his friends and it's my right to not have an opinion because I don't fucking know either one of them. Well, and it's not like, I mean, you definitely have an opinion on the topic, right? But you well, just don't have course. an opinion I mean, for that I don't side. Know, I don't know which side is telling the truth or which side is lying. I think right. the whole topic fucking sucks. I think because well, the lawyers are there just to like, no, exactly cause more fight. It's so dumb. And it does. And so I, wish, I wish that honestly, like there's one thing I will say, like a lot of um, things are public. Uh, it's what do you call it? It's um, public record. I really mm. don't believe that our personal divorces and everything that happens in them and needs to be public record. I really, it, it bothers me that these things can't be a lot more private or even like if you you didn't pay your taxes and you didn't know it, then TMZ finds out it's public record. Why is it public record? Like, I think there's certain things that should be public record and certain things that absolutely yeah. should not be. So I didn't, it's, uh, yeah. 
I didn't realize that. So that means that I could like go look up my parents' divorce and find out information about it. Uh, you could if get I some information. To. You can get you can see when they filed, who filed first, like what they cited mm. as it was it irreconcilable differences. Like it's just it's mm. not anyone's business. Yeah, it's just that's not really even interesting. That, that small amount of stuff is not anyone's business. So um I don't know. I just I wish that we could have like make them a little more private. And a lot of the the big you know, like the celebrities, like their stuff is so public. Like, what do you call it? Um, like Angelina and Brad, like they have mm. court report people in there, like watching. I just don't, it's not a show. This is our lives. Right. And I just, yeah. I feel like even if you're a public person, you that's not something you should have to share. But a lot of people use yeah. their, their platform to villainize the other person publicly so that we all hate the other person. But it's just, yep. the whole thing is unfortunate. No, no, I don't like divorce. Divorce is stupid and horrible. Yeah, ugh, I don't want to deal with that. I don't ever want to deal with that. Oh, I hope I don't have to deal with that. No, and I just hope that he Googles a prettier picture of me. <laughs> He's like, oh, she was working out. That's why she doesn't look good. Um, yeah, so that's what I, that, this just today did not go as planned, but I have to go to the DMV, so I got to go. Florida is great. It's a sunshine state. But if you're in a bad mood, everything can get poo pooed. Boom. <laughs> That's my insurance bill. <laughs> okay, bye, Brandy. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Brandy Glanville Unfiltered. Download new episodes every week, and if you haven't already, subscribe. And be sure to leave us a rating and review. And while you're at it, check out some of the other great shows available on Straw Hut Media.